0: When you meet a person, it's normal to introduce yourself, to say, hi, I'm Nora McInerney. Or, I mean, you would say your name unless your name is Nora McInerney. I do know there is another one of us out there and we used to be Facebook friends, but that's what we do. We meet a stranger. We say hello. We tell them our name. But for today's guest, it's not that simple. So first things first, can you introduce yourself to me?
1: I'm Cheval. I was formerly a wedding dress designer, but I cannot use my own birth name anymore um, in any business or commerce or even to publicly identify myself. So Cheval is the name.
0: Cheval has to choose her words carefully because her birth name doesn't belong to her anymore. And saying it on this podcast or anywhere else publicly could get her into legal trouble, which is a fully bananas thing to say. So legally, using her name in public could get her sued. So how do you lose your name? Well, first, you have to make a name for yourself.
1: Welcome to New York Fashion Week. We just arrived at the venue. We are setting up. We are super excited. 12 months of hard work, blood, sweat, and sparkle tears. Like
0: Cheval said, up until two years ago, she was a wedding dress designer and a really popular one. Some of you might actually recognize her birth name, which was also the name of her dress collection.
1: I'm Haley Page, and you've seen my gowns on Instagram, Pinterest, or if you've been to a wedding in the past 10 years. And I've been with JLM Couture since...
0: From 2011 until 2020, Cheval was a superstar in the wedding dress industry. She showed her gowns at New York Fashion Week. Celebrities like Amy Schumer and Chrissy Teigen wore her designs. And she made regular appearances on the TLC show, Say Yes to the Dress. God, it's gorgeous, isn't it? (laughs) On this season of Say Yes to the Dress. If you haven't seen it, this is a reality show about shopping for wedding dresses. In every episode, a bride travels to Kleinfeld Bridal in New York to buy her perfect wedding dress. And a lot of brides on the show know what they want before they even get to Kleinfeld. They've done research on styles... Fits and designers. There's this one dress. Um, Haley Page makes this dress. It's called the Haley gown. It's absolutely stunning. It's breathtaking. I did a hunt down all over Long Island to find it. No one had it. I thought to myself one day, oh, look, let me message Haley Page on Instagram because she's going to write back to me. She wrote back to me. She said, try Kleinfeld. So here I am today. Hello. Like she was so. Popular among the brides who came on this show that say yes to the dress started having her make cameos. Okay, and just go in and,
1: and make yourself at home. <gasps> surprise! Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh my gosh, this is Haley Page! Another surprise. Oh my
0: <laughs> And outside oh my of the show, God. Cheval had 1 million followers on her Instagram account at Miss Haley Page. A lot of those followers were brides who loved her dresses. Others were women who weren't even in relationships, but hoped that one day they could wear a Haley Page gown to their wedding. And like we heard in the clip from the show, she engaged with them. Her job was not just about designing dresses. She loved connecting with the brides who wore them and seeing how the designs made them feel. So how did she go from one of the most well-known names in her industry to losing her name? It's a complicated legal tale that begins with a little girl who loved to play dress up.
1: My grandmother taught me to sew at a very young age and I was exposed to a lot of creative elements and media um, and I always gravitated toward clothing, specifically dresswear. From the earliest I can possibly recall a memory, I think. (laughs) And I was a gymnast, so I loved like leotards and velvet and sparkle scrunchies and, you know, Disney princesses and all those playful elements that just kind of stuck with me in an imaginative sort of way. And especially as I developed into being a creator and a designer.
0: Not only was Cheval drawn to sewing, she was throwing herself into it as a little kid.
1: The first dress I actually consider made was an upcycle from a hot pink eighties dress my mom had in her closet, and I reconstructed it, redid it, threw it on. It was like a hot pink mini dress with like these lace appliques on the straps, and I was like seven I was young, and so i I definitely was just picking it up right away like i dress wear you know <laughs> like
0: as she got older and her sewing skills got better she started producing garments from scratch she made dresses for herself she made dresses for friends and the type of dress she liked designing and sewing was becoming very clear
1: and it's funny cuz all of the garments i was making for myself it was always with this element of it feeling like a wedding dress, you know, like my graduation dress looked like a wedding dress. So growing up, I just felt like I have something that I can say here that feels unique to me, but it's appreciated by someone else. And I got a good little sense of confidence in creating. I felt very much like I could be myself and that I didn't have to try so hard. But I think that natural feeling of, I have purpose here. I have a a real gift, uh, not in like an entitled sense. It's just, this is, this is where I feel most myself.
0: So by the time she's thinking about where to go to college and what to study, she recognizes that this gift she has could be a part of her college experience. She ends up going to Cornell. So we do have an Ivy leaguer on this show, but Cornell had a great fashion design program and she was excited about it, but she also had a backup plan.
1: I would say I had a very eclectic approach to learning design and those skills because I dabbled in pre-med, my dad being a general surgeon growing up. I loved science and math. And so at Cornell, I kind of had this creative approach to the curriculum where I was doing fiber science. So I could take a lot of those pre-med courses just in case, you know, that was almost like my backup. Like that was a way, you know, I just was like, let's just do this very thoughtfully.
0: Imagine how talented you have to be to have this kind of confidence where you love your art so much and feel so secure in doing it that being a doctor is your backup plan. Amazing. Anyway, Shival is at Cornell dabbling in pre-med, but also taking lots of design classes.
1: Being in these intensive studio classes and learning the history of design and pattern making, sewing, portfolio, um, entrepreneurship, like all that kind of stuff. It just very much excited me. And I found myself wanting to do extra work, wanting to learn more, finding myself through the curriculum. Uh, And I had some really, really just amazing professors that challenged me, but also helped me get faith in the process that I could make this a viable profession. And I was always sketching. I was always designing in the sense of we had our set classes, but then we also had this bonus uh student-led design league that wasn't part of the curriculum, so it was all work on top of it. So I was making full collections for that. And you know, I I definitely feel like mm-hmm. I, I've discovered who I was a little bit more as a creator in my educational experience, which not everyone gets. I think a lot of times you you pull the most from your experiences, but on a technical and skill level, I learned so much there.
0: While she's learning more and more about her craft, she's also discovering a lot about herself and her style as a designer. And it's clear to her that designing wedding dresses was what she felt called to do.
1: Like nothing really trumped that for me in the sense of what's bigger than that. Like I I just was very set and focused and it really is a privilege to know what you want to do with, with your life and what you feel like is your gift. And a lot of it for me comes back to this sentimental attachment through design. I take things very emotionally as I create and I think that does lend itself to a really special connection, which is why I did choose to go into an industry that is, it revolves around an emotional purchase and a an experience that has a lot of heightened taxed um, energy in a very loving way. And so I loved creating for that because there's this follow through and like a, a different form of appreciation. So I really relied on that. It didn't feel like something that was just a product for product's sake.
0: As her college experience is coming to an end, Cheval knows she wants to work in fashion and she gets her first job almost immediately.
1: I had a designer that was sitting in the audience at our big end of the year school fashion show. And she literally offered me a job after seeing my collection. And I felt so privileged in that moment because I was like, wow, she was here. She saw my moment. She appreciated it. She offered me a job. And it was just a great story, of course. Um, So I did go and work for her for about six months, but it was a um, high fashion house.
0: At the high fashion house, she learned how to work in a sample room and saw professional designers up close. But after six months, she got an opportunity to work on the design team at Priscilla of Boston, which is a huge bridal brand. Cheval loved that job. Working in the wedding dress industry was exactly what she hoped it would be. She got to see these elegant, once-in-a-lifetime garments be created and know that she had a hand in that. The only downside of the job was that all the sewing and manufacturing was done overseas.
1: And I kind of missed, you know, working in a sample room and having a little more of a hands-on experience. And I was doing my own industry research uh, and really just paying attention to who whose name kept coming up in the industry. Once
0: she identifies the leaders in her industry, one company stuck out as a place she wanted to work. We're not going to say it because of all this legal drama, but you can Google it.
1: So I actually... Went after them in the sense of I approached them and uh, reached out to somebody there. I didn't actually get offered an interview even for almost a year.
0: And when they finally invite her in to talk, they see something in her. So far in her career, she's been on design teams helping bring another designer's idea to fruition. But in that meeting with the company, they started talking about making her a head designer.
1: A head designer essentially is the lead visionary of a collection. And in my former case, you know, it was specifically for bridal gowns. And I remember just at the time that I saw that as the big role for me, you know, as the dream job when I was a kid, like I always wanted to be a wedding dress designer. You know, that was, that was my big dream
0: and she got the offer. We'll hear more about the dream job when we come back. Hi, everyone. I have a podcast suggestion for you. If you like the sound of two women talking, which is my favorite sound. It's called listening to the Forever 35 podcast. Am I still 35? No, but I was when the show started six years ago. There are six years of episodes. Hosts and best friends, Kate Spencer and Dori Shapir, talk to listeners about everything. It's a real comfort listen. Find Forever 35 wherever you listen to this podcast. We're back. It's 2011. Chival is 25 years old. And not only has she just been offered a job as a head designer at her dream company, but she's going to be designing wedding dresses for her own collection. And they're going to name the collection after her. 2011 is also the same year she hears about a new social media app.
1: At the time, I did not know what Instagram was. And when I was told by a best friend, you know, oh, there's this new photo editing app. And that's what she explained it as. It's a photo editing app. You upload photos of your life, similar to Facebook, but it's a little more visual. And she's like, you're so, you know, artistic. You'd be great at this. Like, get on it, you know? And so, of course, I was like, I'll see what this is about, you know? And I opened my account and... At the time, actually, the handle name I wanted to use was just my first and middle name was already taken. So I went with miss in front because that's a term of endearment. My mother, you know, whenever I'm in trouble or if I if she's saying something sweet, you know, she puts the miss in front.
0: I just want to remind all of us what Instagram was like back in those early years. We were uploading photos of, oh, I mean, like a muffin from the coffee shop, or a badly lit photo of our friends that we put a very, very bad filter on. Borders? Do you remember Borders? This was not yet being used as the marketing tool it is today. And when Cheval's offered this dream job as a head designer at the bridal company, social media is never mentioned in the contract. What her contract does say is that since the collection is named after her, her name will be trademarked to the company.
1: I definitely understood that with such a large position at a company that there would be a contract. And you know, to this day I still understand and feel that it was reasonable that I would have to give the right for my name to be trademarked so that it could be used for the bridal collection I was designing as a form of protection. And I also just felt the sense of urgency and pressure to not be combative and want to, I was so focused on my ability and what I felt like I could do for the company that, you know, that unique form of just showing up in a room and being a hardworking, ready to go type of person was more important than anything else. And of course, this is something I've bonded with so many women over and why I I do feel comfortable sharing it because it's not something I feel shame with, but being a people pleaser and wanting to be a team player can a lot of times work against you, you know, and in a general sense, when you feel like, let's, let's go all in, let's make this amazing, you know, you want to have that attitude. And I definitely don't feel like I ever did well with, with confrontation and Knowing how to say something without, you know, I don't want to offend anyone. I don't want to seem difficult.
0: She doesn't want to seem difficult. She wants to be a team player. Yes, she is now in charge of her own collection, but you can hear that she is still thinking of the work as teamwork. She said, let's make this amazing. Let us. She looked at this new job as a collaboration. She'd design wedding dresses and the company would provide the overhead so she could focus on the creative part. And right now, I can only assume that there are thousands of women and other people listening to this podcast nodding, nodding as we all remember a time when we decided to be the team player, to not be difficult, to not seem too invested in our own self-interest.
1: I was 25, but I had zero experience in real negotiating or any type of contract law.
0: Cheval signs that employment contract and gets to work. For eight years, she works for this company, designing collections that she was proud of and that were loved by brides. Her dresses are girly, they are sparkly, they're whimsical, they are everything she's wanted to put out into the world as a designer. And brides don't just love her dresses, they love her. Whether people found her on Pinterest when they were researching dresses or through Instagram, brides like the designer behind these dresses they love. Cheval is their age. She's bubbly. She's funny. She's beautiful. All this helped her brand skyrocket. This is when she starts appearing on Say Yes to the Dress. Her first wedding was even featured on the show. And her Instagram following is growing. And the way we're using Instagram is changing. And it's becoming a way to build a personal brand. And in this case, the line between the person and the personal brand and the brand named for a person, it's blurry at best. Since she opened an account in 2011, she's always treated it like a personal page. She shared her work as a designer, but she also shared photos and videos of her friends and her family. So even as her following grows to over a million people.
1: I was speaking to my mother every day on my personal Instagram at the time. My fiance and I met through the direct messages. Uh, Best friends, People for years that have been just dear, dear friends that believed that was me, my personal account at the time, they were following me, the human being. They were not following a business account in their experience.
0: She was sharing photos of the dresses she designed and fashion shows she was at, but It also just felt like she was sharing her life because these posts were sandwiched in between vacation photos and pictures of her loved ones. So for eight years, she built her wedding gown brand. She's appearing on TV. Her Instagram following is huge. And then in 2019, she and her employer start negotiating a new employment contract because her old one was about to expire.
1: So I know this is a little bit of a territory where I have to be extremely um, delicate. And what I can share is that when I started to negotiate, I felt like the big picture in me just wanted my next contract to accurately reflect the value and the contributions I was making to my former employer at the time. And the expectations were just very far apart. There was a massive delta, I feel, or that I at least experienced in what I felt like I had, you know, in a sense, earned and performed and done versus what I was actually receiving. And it's always scary when you're that far away. And what became even more scary is how what I have now witnessed and experienced in the legal world, how there could be such a miscalculation in what actually transpired and what my experience was. And that, like, that's terrifying because it's you want to be able to show up and be truthful and accurate.
0: We only know Cheval's side of the story when it comes to the negotiations, We reached out to her former employer, but didn't hear back. So this is what we know from Cheval, from court documents, and from other reporting that we'll link in our show notes. While she viewed her accounts as personal pages, the company wanted more ownership of them. And this is sticky because if you remember, the collection is named after her and the company trademarked that name. In a statement to Page Six in 2020, the company said that they and Cheval disagreed over how much freedom she should have over her social media accounts. For example, because she had such a huge following, she was starting to get brand deals to promote other products on her page. The company disagreed with her doing that. The two negotiate for more than a year, and on December 15, 2020, the company sued Cheval in federal court. The lawsuit mainly focuses on the social media accounts, saying the Instagram, Pinterest, and TikTok accounts she started and maintained belong to the company, not just Cheval. In the lawsuit, the company claims it should be able to dictate the kinds of posts and content that can go on these pages.
1: I was expecting to be treated and seen as a businesswoman, um, especially after my contributions over that you know, almost eight year period. And I felt the way I was being treated was not reflective of how vital I was to that organization.
0: On December 21st, 2020, Cheval posted a video to YouTube. She can't use her Instagram to communicate with fans because it is the thing at the center of this lawsuit. Okay.
1: It is with a very heavy heart that I announce my resignation as a designer. This decision comes on the heels of a year and a half long legal battle to negotiate a new contract with bridal design house, JLM Couture, one that has resulted in them suing me and convincing a court to grant them temporary control and access over my Instagram account, as well as my TikTok and Pinterest. I am being very cautious about how I use my own name right now. And
0: her name name and how she uses it is, is another part of the lawsuit.
1: What's more, JLM is demanding the right to permanently use my name in the promotion of their products, even after we are no longer working together. And they are trying to prevent me from using my own birth name in any business whatsoever, indefinitely.
0: The judge grants the company a temporary restraining order that basically says Cheval can't exclusively run these social media accounts anymore.
1: And I will never forget the feeling of when the TRO was granted and I had to turn over my passwords within a 24-hour period. When I saw a post go up on that account, I will never forget the visceral feeling of like the shaking and the, like the drip in your throat. And like, you feel like you're going to vomit because it felt like such a misrepresentation and such a, it felt so inappropriate to me because so many people, that whole following did not know that it was no longer me behind it. And I couldn't reach them. You know, I couldn't post to it. I couldn't share that. I couldn't tell people. And to this day, I've never had that opportunity to actually address the community that I was with in the trenches for almost 10 years. Like at the time when I was comparing that to not being able to use my own birth name, the social media aspect of it was worse uh, because it felt like such a big misrepresentation.
0: In an instant, a court took away Cheval's access to her Instagram, TikTok, and Pinterest accounts, and the over a million people she communicated with on those platforms. They let her keep her other social media pages that use the same handle. Up until this point, she's still an employee of the company. Her contract is valid until August 2022. But after the lawsuit was filed, she knew she didn't want to stay with the company until then. And in 2021, she resigns.
1: The conduct of JLM and Mr. Murphy, in my view, felt controlling, manipulative, and bullying. There was an overreaching into my personal life and creative freedoms outside of bridal design that very much felt like a violation of my good faith. I do not wish to subscribe to their business ethics or the way they treat employees and others. I've decided that I no longer wanna work for a company that does not align with the human qualities that I value and respect the most.
0: Resigning gave her freedom from the company and the CEO, but it also came with a lot of loss. She lost her name, her social media accounts, her collections, and part of her future. You've been helping women find one of the most important pieces of clothing that they'll ever own or wear, you know? You've been creating like moments for people. Like you've been this indelible part of thousands of people's biggest day, possibly of their lives, right? And then just the you of it is somehow erased but it's still up there on the internet. This feels like an episode of Black Mirror.
1: Yeah, it, sorry. (laughs) Um, it still like gets me sometimes when I think about it. (laughs) Sorry. I think my, it was my biggest fear because my biggest fear in life is disappointing people. And so well, – hi. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so sorry.
0: Yeah, no one ever cries on our show, so oh my God. I don't know why you are. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it, it was the, the disappointment that I felt so many women might experience in all that I was going through. Yeah, I mean, it's sad and it's upsetting, like the name, the social media, the – you know, my fiance getting sued, so many things. But my biggest fear did happen. It was that I would not – able to deliver to the the women, you know, and that these people that have put their magic moments in my hands, you know, and then all of a sudden I was not able to do that, but I had no choice in a way in my mind. And I thought about people I would be disappointing and then not being able to share with them what actually had happened or that the message would be um, interfered with. So that... To this day, it still gets me because I feel like I am trying to make up for lost time. But at the same time, I cannot actually do what I know I'm capable of because I've also been restricted in with a essentially a five-year non-compete in which I cannot identify to the trade.
0: When she resigned, she and her legal team were under the impression that when the employment agreement expired, she could change her name and start designing wedding dresses under the new name. But instead, she was told by the court that she can't identify with the trade that her former employer does, which means that she cannot design anything bridal for the next five years. Not a dress, not a gown, not a bridesmaid's dress, not a veil. If it's wedding related, it's off limits.
1: This is my livelihood. It is something I have gone all in on. And now it's a five-year provision. That was the most jarring. And I kind of looked inside myself and I was like, okay, well, you've dealt with some things over the last couple years. This is the worst one, you know, and like, how are you going to move forward? You know, and you kind of talk to yourself in a way that's like, what are the voices in my head telling me? Cause I, I need to find a way to move on with my life because up until now I thought I had a way I was r- running on hope and then it was crushed.
0: We'll be right back. Hi, everyone. I have a podcast suggestion for you. If you like the sound of two women talking, which is my favorite sound, it's called listening to the Forever 35 podcast. Am I still 35? No, but I was when the show started six years ago. There are six years of episodes. Hosts and best friends, Kate Spencer and Dori Shafrier talk to listeners about everything. It's a real comfort listen. Find Forever 35 wherever you listen to this podcast. Before we recorded this, I assumed the toughest thing about this situation would be losing your name. The one your parents gave you, the one you grew up with and grew into, the one you build a name for. But for Chaval, the biggest blow of all these big blows is that she is legally barred from designing wedding dresses for five years, because this was the thing she felt called to do since she was a child. It would be like Tom Brady not being allowed to play football because of a contract dispute. I hope that's a good analogy for sports fans who listen to this show. Uh, it would be like who else is good at something? It'd be like Mister Rogers. Being banned from making emotionally intelligent children's programming. It is a very rare thing to be able to make a living from your passion and your talent. And creative people just want to create. And yes, we also want to be able to make a decent living at it, but a lot of us are unprepared to be stuck in the crosshairs of creativity and capitalism. I, too, have signed contracts without having a lawyer read them. You probably have too. There are plenty of companies who own your ideas as a condition of your employment, who own your words or your art because you made it on a laptop they gave you, who can prevent you from, quote unquote, competing in the same field if you leave their employment This story is about a wedding dress designer versus a large company, but it's also the story of Taylor Swift, of Prince, of a million other creative people with big and small names who found themselves tangled up in a mess they never envisioned when they set out to make things. Creativity is also a big business. And the gross necessity of being a creative right now means you also have to build a brand for yourself, a brand out of yourself. And a brand is, apologies to my branding friends who are very passionate about it, it's a collection of rules. It's fonts, colors, words you do and do not say to describe what you do or do not make. But people are much more messy and complicated and alive. One of the reasons this has been so frustrating for Cheval is that There's not a lot of case law dealing with social media. It's likely her case is going to set some sort of precedent for future cases involving social media accounts and who owns them, but her situation, unfortunately, had to be a test case. And what does this mean for creatives, for people who already have a hard time distinguishing where their work ends and where they begin? I don't know, but it feels really scary to me personally And talking to Cheval, I was anxious and sweaty the entire time just hearing about what she went through because I could imagine this happening to me and other creatives I know. I've seen it happen, I've had similar experiences.
1: You know, you almost think that you build up this tolerance, right? And it's like, okay, I'm good at handling bad news, I'm good at pivoting, I'm good at figuring out stuff, you know, and as good as you can be. At some point, it has to process. You have to process it and register it. You can't just keep tolerating it. And so, psychologically, for me, that's what I had to do. I had no choice because I got to a point where I felt like there could be a a part where I would harm myself if I didn't find a real solution to my situation. And that was the big turning point for me. Was that I have to completely reinvent. You know, it, it is a new name. But it's a new trade. And how can I somehow take what I have learned educationally and experience wise? Where can I apply my skill set? Where can I, you know, take that love of wanting to make women feel great and pretty and whatever it may be, strong and all these things? How can I do that and manifest it in a way moving forward now?
0: Creatives are called to create. And even within the constraints she's been given, with her original calling being taken from her, she still wants to design. The backup plan she had in college was to be a doctor, but her backup plan now is to find something else to create. But first, she had to find a new name.
1: It was a season of waiting, a state of unusual circumstance. Somewhere between the old and the new, I felt borrowed and blue.
0: Chival announced her new name in a YouTube video. In it, she and a horse are standing together in an open field. She's wearing sparkly clothes, of course, and eventually, they start running together.
1: I've waited for this fresh new page to ink, a glowing paracosm to paint and bethink. And so, we run against the wind, for it is the best way to feel the fierceness in deciding our own direction and the pressing of those most threatened by our potential. So Cheval is the French the word process. for horse. So and I, in a very simple phrase, just love the way it sounds. It feels like it's a strong word. It sounds amazing. It, it just rolls off the tongue, you know, and I just, I loved it. I've always identified with like, the kingdom phylum of horses, right? They're like fantasy world of like unicorns and Pegasuses and like all these things that just feel mystical and and powerful and like magical run against the wind type things. Um, I liked that it was this manifestation of taking my power and running with it, you know? And like, you know, life serves you lemons and you can't make lemonade. So we're going to go out there and find a strawberry field, you know, like or whatever it is. Shoes like really came to me in such a nice package. And it did make me feel like I had a leg up in the sense of like, this could be a fresh step, pun intended. And I just ran with it. You know, I was like, I'm going to do it. This is it. Like, cause I could at least feel a sense of self there. And that like, again, that feeling of like, I can be myself here, even though I felt like stripped of so much, I can still tap into some of those little things that are important to me in my language of creative expression.
0: Cheval launched her shoe company, She is Cheval, in October 2022. And these shoes are very fabulous. They're six inch rhinestone covered platform heels. They're pink feathers on stilettos. There are a pair of rhinestone cowgirl boots that are mostly clear and were inspired by Dolly Parton. They're statement pieces. They're proof that she was never just a wedding dress designer. She's an artist no matter what she's creating.
1: Yes, uh, it is scary but it does it does get better. What as as hard as it is to say that, it like it does actually. And and I've learned to put it in a box and no longer afraid of it. I am no longer afraid of litigation. And that's a wonderful thing to say. It's like it's kind of like do your worst, you know, like mentality, but it's also like I have shoes to make. Like I have things to do. And I have women that freaking stood up for me and I'm going to gosh be darned if I don't show up for them. You know, and like that's 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 the triumph in itself for me it's like I have a new purpose and I'm going to go get it so
0: Chaval's old wedding dress collection still exists at that company it is still named after her birth name but has a new head designer and some days that's hard for her but she knows her wedding gowns were more than just designs they were her art and the thing about art is that it lives on once it's created, it's no longer yours anyway. It's out in the world. People react to it and decide what it means for them. Songs, paintings, sculptures, even wedding dresses. What you make is always bigger than
1: you. Nothing will change that amazing connection. And I still want you to go find your dream dress no matter what, you know, it. like that still is my message. But I I would also say stronger for it, you know, and as emotional as it can be at times and upsetting and like confusing, stronger for it, you know, And, and it really will be a more beautiful next chapter because as a creative, I've always felt your best work is always your next work.
0: This has been terrible. Thanks for asking. I'm Nora McInerney, the creator and host of this show. Our team is Marcel Malikibu, Jordan Turgen, Megan Palmer, Claire McInerney, Larissa Witcher, and Eugene Kidd. You can find Cheval on her new Instagram account at All That Glitters on the Gram, and you can see her new shoe line at SheIsCheval.com. You can follow our show at TTFA Podcast on Instagram. Um, you can find us at ttfa.org. Uh, if you are interested in supporting our show, uh, you can rate and review it. You can share it with a friend. You can join the Substack that we just started, which is amazing. We have episode discussions. We have uh, episode playlists. We have all this stuff. Jordan worked so hard on it. Please find it in the episode description. Click that link, baby. And if you want to support us financially, honestly, no pressure, none whatsoever. This is a tough economic time. I hate economic times of all kinds. I really hate tough ones, too, uh, for everybody involved. I, I, I just hate the economy, period. I just, all of it. Yeah, every bit of it. I don't under, I don't really understand it. I don't like it, um, but you can support us. Uh, we've got this thing called TTFA Premium where you can get ad-free episodes. You can get bonus episodes. That is also at ttfa.org. I recorded this at McInerney Studios, also known as the spare bedroom, which is not a spare bedroom at all in our house, um, and that is is it. That's always it, guys. Uh, This is an independent production, this podcast. Independent production. We are not a part of a network. It is just us, baby. Just us. It feels good. It feels good. It feels good. It feels good. I have a lot to say about creativity and capitalism. Uh, I have a lot to say, but I have a lot to say, about it. I'm interested in what you have to say about it. Uh, if you have signed a, a non-compete, an NDA, if you have felt uh, stifled or, uh, or you know, worse by a company, we love to hear from you guys. You can call us at 612-568-4441, um, or there's also a form on our website where you can reach out to us. Okay, that's it.